0: So we are in the middle of uh, of the series that we're calling Future You and and the concept of this series is that what if the future you could come back from the future and talk to you today what what would they say and so, and so we've said over the past uh, couple of weeks here, we said, what if the future you from five years from now would come back and, and talk to you? So the future you in 2025 could come back and talk to you right here, right now in 2020, what would that person say to you? And what we articulated over the course of this series is that if, if there's been like a low-grade frustration or anger or addiction or something that has been going on in your life for the past five years, There's a good chance that you'll be dealing it with for the next five years. And so that that future you would come back and say, hey, get get some help. Like, don't do this. Don't do this alone. It's not going to change. It's not going to get better on its own. And so then we started unpacking that a little bit. We started talking about there's some underlying issues to some of these struggles that we have. and, And we're talking about character and that character matters and, and why, why is it that character matters and how do we grow in godly character and that was last week and so we gave you a, a card and a resource uh, that you could use and I hope that that's been an encouragement for you and then then this week, we're, we're talking about, uh, we're continuing this series, but we're going we're gonna, to uh, take a little bit of a bigger uh, view, bigger picture of this future you. And we're not just going five years into the future now, we're going 50 years into the future. So 2070, I had someone just look up at me and like, as we all contemplate what life looks like in 50 years From now, we're gonna break this down into two big themes over the next couple weeks. But today we're looking at 2070, and we're looking ahead at 2070, and we can say what a beautiful like, vision and future that 2070 is going to be, right? Uh, Sometimes when we talk about future and the progress of future, sometimes things seem to happen so slow, and other times it seems to just, like, happen like crazy. Like, can you believe it's only been a few years, like, I think just uh, a decade now, since the advent of the smartphone, right? Where would we be without the smartphone, right? Like, I don't know if I could live life without my smartphone, uh, but on the other hand, sometimes it takes, it seems like the future is never coming and it takes forever to, uh, to get there. Like I remember back when I was a child that by now in the year 2020, I was promised that there would be flying cars. It's not happening. I'm really disappointed by that. We're at the, at the very minimum that cars would all be driving themselves. And I know that's kind of on the horizon, but I'm not experiencing that yet. And I really want that to happen because I've got more important things to do like text on my smartphone. Somebody explain to me why we don't have hoverboards, like in Back to the Future. I, I've been anticipating those, or at the very least, why my shoes can't tie themselves. I'm, I'm looking forward to that moment. I don't, I don't want to begin predicting what 2070 is going to look like. Uh, all I know is that I am going to be really disappointed if I don't have my own my own robot that is making me chicken nachos with homemade salsa. That's the only thing I ask of 2070, all right? (laughs) But in all seriousness, I don't want to be overly focused on what's going to happen in 2070 because for the average person in this room, 2070 is going to be somewhere near the end of our life. And some of you are thinking, well, I don't know if I'm going to be living until I'm 115 years old. So here's what I want us to focus on today. Don't necessarily picture us coming back from the year 2070, but picture ourselves coming back from the end of our lives, the last days of our lives. And if that version of the future you showed up to yourself this afternoon, what would that person say to you? What would that conversation look like? A lot of you know about uh, the tragedy that we have experienced in our community, in our neighborhood, uh, with me and Kristen. And um, and we're currently walking through this. So just a couple things before I get into this message that I, I think will be helpful. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about that story, but I'm gonna I'm gonna wait to the end of the message. And this is with the permission of the family to talk about this. Second thing about this is that when I plan a sermon series, I I usually uh, plan it out well, three to four months in advance, and that's and that's on lockdown. And then um, I have kind of a six to nine month soft launch. So when I planned this series out uh, three to four uh, three months ago now. Um, I can't believe that what we just experienced and what I'm talking about happened on the same week. So this message is not a reaction to that. In fact, I've been wrestling all week if I should talk about this because it's it's fresh for me and I didn't want to use this as uh, just a sermon illustration or a sermon prop. Um, But at the end of the day, I felt that it was too important not to talk about this to just ignore it. And so we want to talk about this because for a lot of us, death is not a subject that we like to talk about. We like to think about. It's not something that we want to spend time with. But here's the thing, is that it's inevitable. We're all going to experience it. We all know that this day is coming. And Jesus knows that. And Jesus talks about this. And so he gave this parable that I was reminded of these in these last couple weeks here. And I I want to read this parable to you. It's found in Luke chapter 12. And I think it's on the screen here. And this is, you can just follow along. Jesus, just to give context, he's doing some teaching and he's just interacting with the crowd. And, uh, and, and I love this because he's doing some teaching and then somebody just yells out something completely arbitrary. And I, and I kind of feel for Jesus because I'm just putting myself in that situation and, and we're teaching and we're preaching. And then one of you guys just be like, hey, just on a side note, what about this? And, and that's kind of what happened with Jesus. He's doing some teaching and then somebody is like, hey, what on a side note, what about this? And someone called from the crowd to Jesus and said, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And Jesus replied, friend, who made me judge over you to decide such things as that? And he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. Now sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now eat, now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you work for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up wealthy earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. It's a sobering passage. And I find that this passage is so indicative of our culture. I think one of the reasons why we struggle with the topic of death and why we struggle with with funerals so much as a culture because we live under this false pretense that we've beaten death. You might wonder why I just said that. Because like no one really thinks that, but we live that way. We live in a country where our life expectancy is 84 years old. That's, That's a long time to live, 84 years on this earth. And so we don't feel the need to think about this that often. Just over 100 years ago in 1900, the life expectancy in Canada was 50 years old. In 1920, it jumped up to 56. And then in 1940, it it jumped up to 63. You can compare this to other countries around the world and their life expectancy. Uh, Jamie mentioned in in Africa, in, in Central Africa Republic, the life expectancy right now is 51 years old. That's not a long time. In India, it's 68. In Russia, it's 71. And Japan, they have the the longest and the highest life expectancy at 85. And the world average is 72 years. But here in Canada, 84 years seems like a long ways away. And so we don't really have to think about it. But Jesus, he's trying to get our attention because the reality is we are just by virtue of where we live, if you live in Alberta, we are 96% wealthier than every other person in this world. So just by virtue of where we live, we are the rich man in this passage. I know it might not feel like that on a day-to-day level, but when you compare that to how the, what the lifestyle is of the rest of the world, we are this rich man. And we convince ourselves, I've got this thing figured out. I've got a few dollars in, in the bank. I've got a family. I've got an education. I, 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 things are going to turn out. They're going to be okay. I have time to figure things out. And what is the meaning of life? And where we're going to go? You want to talk to me about death, Drew? You want to talk to me about the last days of my life? Are you kidding me? Like, is this, is this some sort of joke? But if we're not thinking with the end in mind, God has some strong words for us. He says, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Just a couple of things about that passage or those words. What's the point of the stuff that we accumulate and we strive for and the possessions that we want to surround ourselves with? Because when we're dead, it's all pretty pointless. Who cares? that that rich man had the extra grain stored up because how did that help him in the end? Who's going to get it now anyways? The second thing is we don't know the date of our death. We might be when it's 84 years old. It might be tomorrow. Up to 10% of the Canadian population um, never reaches 50 years old. Up to 25% never reaches 70 but everyone assumes it's not going to be us, right? No one thinks that they're going to be the ones that's going to get hit by a car at the age of 24. No one thinks that it's going to be them that suffers from cancer or stroke in their 30s. No one thinks it's going to be them that is going to suffer a fatal heart attack in their 50s. But it happens. All too often it does. And it's why Jesus gives us this parable because we can't be foolish enough to think that we have conquered and we have beaten death. The, the great truth in this parable is actually in its irony. Uh, the man was thinking through everything while he was on earth, and we would probably applaud him, right? He was doing well in, in business, and, and he was saying, this is my strategy to grow it, and this is uh, my, my extra storage Plan and, and you can kind of picture him sitting back and as he's got his Excel spreadsheets out and he's like, oh yes, and this is going to work here and, and this is going to balance out here and this is going to be amazing. And, and then at the end of this, yes, and then I'm going to eat, drink and be merry on, on a beach somewhere in, in Mexico. And God's like, hey, what's, what's the point of that? What's the point? Seriously, if we have the greatest business in the world, if we have the money that we want and need, but we're not ready for eternity, because this life is just a blank. And then boom, and it's over. And we're talking about eternity. And we're talking about forever in the presence of God or forever in the complete void and absence of God. Just imagine with me for a second, someone who spent their whole life uh, searching for the lost city of Atlantis, their whole life. I was watching a movie with my, my son and they, they were in a submarine and they went down and they discovered the lost city of Atlantis. And then Paxton was like, that's the lost city of Atlantis. And I was like, how did you know about the lost city of Atlantis? But just imagine with me that somebody spent their whole life searching for this city and then only, one, then only to have someone tell them at the age of 83 that it was just a made up tale. Their whole life devoted to this one search and this one conquest. And then, and then just at the very end, yeah, it was just made up. It doesn't really exist. How frustrating. I just wasted my whole life looking for something that didn't exist. And my concern is that we lose sight of why we're here. Now, you, you might be saying right now, and I don't blame you if you are, you might be saying, Drew, I, I, don't, I don't need a guilt trip right now. i work really hard. I work hard for uh, my salary. I work hard to put food on my table. I work hard for saving up for education. And, and, and I say, that's good, like that's good. And, and scripture talks all through scripture about the value of, of working hard. But the, re, but the question I wanna put out there is, is why? why? Why are we doing this? Is it just to have a new house? Is it just to have a, a new car? Because if you fast forward 50 years from now, and we're in our last days, and we're about to enter eternity, do you think we're going to care about the size of our house? Do you think we're going to care about the year and the model of our, of our car? I heard a, uh, a preacher once kind of famously break down um, the worthlessness of the American dream. And it's always stuck with me. I might've done this a while ago, but I just, this keeps on replaying in my mind. And, and like anything though, you gotta take it to its end game to figure out uh, its truth. And, and this is how this plays out in the North American culture in one form or another. We, we grow up, we graduate high school, we, we hopefully go to a, a, little, a school somewhere else and get um, some more school and, and a different degree and more degrees. And then we get a decent job and then we get married and then we have a few kids and then, and then, and then we get a better job and then we get a, a better vehicle and then we get a, a nicer house and then we save up for our kids to go to college and we save up for our own retirement. And then hopefully, hopefully that day will happen and we will come and we'll retire and it'll be on some beach and we will spend the rest of our days collecting uh, a shell collection. And you would say, what's the end of your life is a shell collection. But someday, someday, we're going to die. It's inevitable and it's unavoidable. When we die, Romans 14 says that that we come before God to give an account of our life. And what are you going to say? Here's my shell collection. But if the future you, the one that is 50 years from now, if if they were to come back and talk to you today, what would they say? They'd probably be talking uh, not a lot about your possessions and and the collections of this world. You'd you'd probably be talking a lot about uh, the people in your life your relationships, you'd probably be talking a lot about eternity and you'd be thinking about what eternity is in those last days. And if you're in this room and you already know Jesus and you've made the decision to follow him and make him the Lord and the leader of your life, then let me just challenge you to start thinking with this eternal perspective right now. Not in 2070, but in 2020 because right now in 2020, eternity feels like a long ways off. And and, and in light of that, we don't have an, an end game plan. We never say, this is who I wanna be before I die. We talk about what we wanna do, but we never say, this is who I want to be. I wanna be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. I wanna bring people with me to heaven. I want to glorify him with, with my life and look back on my life from my deathbed and say, I'm, I'm ready for eternity. For most of us, because that seems like it's such a long way off. We never chart out our future and we, and we, never, we have nothing to aim for. And we just kind of wander around and we find pseudo life in this American dream that we've been inoculated with. But if we don't start developing a vision for our lives of being an incredible follower of Christ, then we're just gonna end up zigzagging our way through life until we end up 50 years from now in 2070, looking back and saying, where did the time go? We have an opportunity and we have a choice today to impact the future direction of our life. And I think that's exactly what the future you would tell you today. Step off that spinning wheel and that hamster wheel of the weekly grind and start focusing on your relationships. Start diving into, into who Jesus is and get to know him, know his voice, feel his life, his abundant life. A lot of you, you, you we've talked about this before and you're, you're familiar with the concept of um, this group that we run every year. It's called Leading Together. We just finished our our last uh, session, uh, I think, like not even a month ago here, and and part of and Klaus, I'm going to get you to come on up here right now. And here's a here's your mic. Um, part of what this is is we read a book and we do a learning exchange and we talk about how this has impacted us. And then at the end of our time together, we uh, we have a, a leading me plan. Is what it's called. And so we want to grow in the areas of our spiritual intimacy. We want to grow in areas of character in our relationships and in our in our work and service. And so we kind of we break that down and we come out with a leading me plan. But before we get out to that leading me plan, we actually um we start with the big picture. At the very beginning, the very first thing we do is we we say to all the guys, I want you to write out your 80th birthday party that somebody is coming to your 80th birthday party and they're doing a report on Klaus what. Do you want them to say? And so uh, I asked Klaus if he'd come and he would share uh, what he put down. Klaus, has, this was your second time through leading together. So you are a sucker for punishment. <laughs> um, but, uh, and Klaus and Daly have just been an incredible uh, resource for myself as we kind of co-led uh, leading together this, this last year. But Klaus, why don't you, um, why don't you just kind of like, yeah, this assignment is what it is. What did this do? Uh, for you as you were putting it together, and would you be willing to share it with us?
1: So the the assignment is to write an account of your 80th birthday party as if you were a reporter, which isn't for me quite 50 years in the future, it's more like 20 some long years in the future. (laughs) Um, But uh, it's describe your relationship with God, Um, describe how your character is going to be at your 80th birthday, your key relationships, and then um, sort of God's accomplishment—sorry, God's accomplishments—the um, impact and legacy that you've left in this world. Which, uh, God willing, as Drew's been talking about this morning, is uh, is something that uh, that we can happen and do. So. Um, and I guess what this does is it kind of makes you kind of sit back as Drew's been talking about character in the last few weeks. And um, the one that I was writing off of is actually almost three years old. Um, and there's a few people in the room that were here for the, for the first time that we did this. And I hope that I've grown a little bit in character in those three years, kind of going through this a couple of times. Um, but, uh, but it does bring sort of focus and clarity on this finishing well thought uh, so, so that's kind of, yeah, where that part Yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess one, one last point for that is um, I love serving, but what I, what I always used to do is I, I learned to lead not out of an obligation to serve, um, which is service without love. Um, but I learned to try, and I'm still trying, um, to serve those around me out of, empathy, compassion, and love for the person, not just for getting the job done. So um, I think that's where this this is more tailored towards now. Um, So, and this is written as a reporter, um, not quite humble, but uh, (laughs) but this is like the small town reporter that comes to your 80th birthday party. Um, What a change from the cold, quiet, shy boy that grew up in Edmonton in the 60s and 70s who turned into someone that was so interested in other people's lives that he forgot about his own life, only to help others. Surrounded by and joined with his loving wife of 50-plus years, his children and grandchildren, all proclaiming the love of Jesus in their lives, Klaus's life of service to his community, neighbours, and those in need around the world um, has exemplified what it is to live out this life that God has asked us to live. When asked about his life of service, Klaus replied, I used to serve in the shadows, to hide from people, to stay away from having to interact with others. But through a series of books and a Leading Together course, um, I realized that Jesus served with love, and that for others, Jesus served with love for others and that I needed to try to be more like Jesus in my service. First Corinthians 13 says that love is indispensable. Verses 3 to 5 say if I give all I have to the poor and give my body over to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I have nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, and it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Together with his wife, Tracy, as a team, they touched many lives with empathy, love, encouragement, and grace, giving both of their time and resources to others. Even now, at the age of 80, they continue to tirelessly serve others with gifts of their time and their love they are finishing well. When asked for a final nugget of wisdom, Close responded with, I found true joy in my life in my late forties when I learned to make time for God in my life, spending time praying to Him and listening for His small voice in the middle of all the chaos going on around me. It's
0: amazing. It's amazing. Thanks. We say thanks. You know, and, and and I think Klaus, uh, as a church, we can affirm that what you said—that you guys were striving for—I mean, we just see that in you and Tracy's life, and we're so grateful for you. What what you what you didn't hear in that 80th celebration, what you didn't hear, is is how many hours that Klaus worked. You didn't hear about the promotions that he got. You didn't hear if he had the, the cleanest house on the neighborhood or if his k- kids had the coolest clothes. You didn't hear about the degrees that he's earned. You didn't hear about the money that was made. What would the future you tell you 50 years from now? My, um, my word, 2020, uh, every year I try to like, I come up with a word that I want to kind of be my theme word for the, the coming year, and so my word for 2020 was uh, focus, and I didn't really put those two things together until I was talking with somebody, he started laughing, he's like, hey, that's really smart, you know, focus in 2020, and I was like, yes, I'm pretty smart there, aren't I? <laughs> Thanks for telling me. <laughs> And but when I was um, when I was thinking of that word, what was behind that was I want I want to put focus in my energy, in my time. I want to put focus to staff and to summit. I want to put focus in in some of these different um, things that I, I'm, I'm working on. I'm growing in. But but maybe what I I forgot to uh, consider is what uh, what what is what is God putting on my heart to focus on right now. And I want to ask you that question. What is God putting on your heart to focus on right now? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Where do you need to pull back from? What do you need to start doing? What do you need to do to realign your life? And and, and the reason I'm asking these questions is because I don't want us to get to that day 50 years from now when we're thinking, I wish I would have spent my life living it differently. We have an opportunity to change, to change now. And what I wanna encourage you is to lean into God for that change, just like we talked about last week because he's the one that brings change. You, you might be thinking, um, you know, Drew is talking a little bit more forthrightly than what he normally does. And it just, there's more of a sense of urgency in, in this message. And I think that's just coming out of what we've gone through and what we're living right now but a week ago just over a week ago i was i had a valentine's day lunch um with me and kristen and uh and then we got a call from uh our neighbor friend and his name is casey and he said hey i'm taking my son to a bmx park um we, can i take your son with with uh my son and my my daughter as well and this is something that they do often. We just kind of go back and forth and take each other's kids and do things together. And, and so we said, yeah, for sure. And, and so uh, they went to a, a BMX park. And um, and so Kristen was talking with him throughout the afternoon, just getting all the logistics and, and signed the forms and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and then I was um, on my way to a meeting. I was with a bunch of other guys. Paul was with me and... And all of a sudden I was to get a call from Kristen and she said, um, whatever you guys are doing, you need to stop right now. You need to pray for Casey because there's been an accident. I don't know, I don't know what the seriousness of it, is, but there's an accident and, uh, and all I know is bad and, and you need to be praying. And so we prayed, I got a call an hour and a half later and uh, with Kristen saying that um, that accident turned into a fatality and, and Casey died. They were, he didn't do anything silly. It was nothing um, that any one of us wouldn't have done with our children. And he was with his kids and he fell off the bike. It was not a, not a big fall, just a small fall. Landed on his head, broke his neck, and, and he died. And so this last week, we've just been processing this. We've been journeying with this family and working with, you know, his son and, and my son and just kind of checking in because they just witnessed this tragic accident. We were sitting together as a, uh, a neighbors and just friends a couple of nights ago. And, uh, I mean, we've been with them this whole week and there's been a lot of tears and just a lot of silence and, and then just kind of planning and processing and what's next and, and having these sort of conversations and, uh, and so we had one night where there was a little bit more levity and we were telling stories and, and we were uh, laughing and, and in, in the lull of one of the conversation, uh, Megda spoke up and she just said, you guys, you guys got to start thinking about this. And, and she meant that in a broad sense. She meant that because they weren't, they weren't ready for this in, in any sense of the way, like how could she be? How would any of us be? But it, it got me thinking because this tragedy, it's forcing me to think about the next 50 years of my life. It's forcing me to think about how I wanna live my life. It's forcing me to think of things that I'd rather push off and not deal with, like like a will and an insurance, and all those little things that I don't think I have time for or it's a necessity for right now. It's forcing me to think about the precious nature of life. It's forcing me to, to recognize that, that in a moment, everything can change. And I might not have 50 years to get my life in order. It's forcing me to think about my relationships, past and present and ask myself, is there a conversation that I need to have that I've been pushing off? Do I need to ask forgiveness of somebody? Do I need to forgive somebody? It's forcing me to look like how I wanna spend the rest of my life living and the days that I've been given. The psalmist says that you want to experience the presence of the Lord. Here's, here's the one that can experience the presence of the Lord is he who has clean hands and a pure heart. And that's what we want to talk about the next two weeks. What does it mean to live with integrity? And what does it mean to live with forgiveness? And all these things is forcing me to think about, about bigger things like eternity. And when I think about eternity, it forces me to think about Jesus. That Jesus came so that we could be in relationship with him for eternity. Because he loves you. He forgives you. He wants to change your life. He wants you to follow him and experience life, abundant life. And that's what's before us right now. The offer is that if we believe and we receive, we receive Eternal life, and we see that in, in John three sixteen, God loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But but not just to believe something like it's a it's a good ideology. But it's to follow, to become a follower of Christ. To live our life for something. And I want to give us this opportunity to accept this great gift this this morning here's what we're going to do. I just want us to uh, bow our heads and close our eyes. And I want this to be a special moment between us and God. And if you want to follow Jesus today, then I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. This might be a first-time decision uh, for some of you. And, and this might be a rededication for others of you. The Bible tells us in Romans 10:9 that if we confess with, with our mouths and in our, believe in our hearts, that we will be saved. And when we do that, we cross the line of faith and we, we receive the gift of salvation for some of you in this room, it's time. Right now. Maybe you've been putting this off. You don't need to put it off any longer. Maybe you've heard this invitation before and you just kind of let it roll off your back. Please don't let it roll off your back. Don't let another week go by without giving your life to Christ. So let's pray together. And this will just be quiet. I'll pray. And if you want to pray along with me, you can pray silently along with me. But... Let's pray together. Dear God, I confess that i sinned against you. I don't meet the standards of perfection. But God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus and he died as a consequence of my sin. And God, I thank you for forgiving my sins. I commit to following you with my life, for the rest of my life. Thank you, God. Amen. 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 If you prayed that prayer, uh, you're part of a family. Uh, Not just a a, a local family, this family. You're part of a global family. And we want to welcome you into that family. But uh, I also would like to welcome you into this family. And I would love to be uh, your church family. and, And we would love to journey with you together. If you did give your life to Christ and you did pray that, pray. We have some uh, material we would love to give to you, and that would just be a resource to start you off in this journey. And the one thing I would say about this journey is that don't do this journey alone. It's not meant for solo activity. This is a journey that is done as a family and in, in community. Um, Alicia, can we come? Can you come and let's uh, let's sing? Can we stand together? We're going to sing a final song, and then I'll come up and give some instructions for for Soup Sunday here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are faithful in the middle of the unknown in the middle of tragedy, in the middle of life, and things seem like they're falling apart, thank you that we can look to you as our anchor, as our rock, our firm foundation, and we can build our life on a solid rock that doesn't move. God, I just pray for our our church family here. I'm just grateful for this family. I pray that this family would look to you in all things, that we would lean into you, that we would not waste a day, that we would not waste the opportunities that are in front of us to live, to love, to laugh, that we would look at the precious nature of life and we would celebrate that. We would give thanks to you for that. So God, we wanna, I wanna commit this church, this family, this group of brothers and sisters and body of believers into your care this week. May you use them. May you speak through them. And may others come to know the wonderful riches of your glory because of them. In your name, all God's people said, Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this morning. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'd love to talk with you and just spend some time with you. Have a great week, amen.